I'm Natana. And I'm Jess. And this is our podcast. Wait, what are we doing again? <laughs> well, we'll be diving into how the hairiest and most complicated problems in the world can be traced to the most mundane beginning. To see if maybe we're not so fucked after all and maybe there's something we can do about it. Oh, is that all? Yes. <laughs> And you don't approve of you don't approve of consent. <laughs> That's fake news. <laughs> <laughs> I here's the thing. Okay, so we have like all this talk around consent, boundaries, all those kind of things. But I was in a position over the weekend where I was asked for consent like a yes or no thing over something small yeah but I knew that I didn't want to but I still said yes because I knew that if I said no it would ruin everything and it would make the dynamic terrible and make the other person feel rejected and it wasn't there wasn't an easy out so because of that there was so much more gravity on this yes well, on the no, there was so much more, there was so much more baggage attached to the no. And then on top of that, it made the yes by comparison, by comparison, seem so much more weightless. So instinctively in the moment, it's like a split second decision. I was like, yes, because I felt like it was the only option I had. And it basically set me up to then proceed with a series of other yeses because now that was already the baseline that I've established. It's like this psychological idea of storyboard continuity where it's like, well, I showed I'm okay with this. It wouldn't make sense if suddenly I say no to this, this, this. It got me thinking about how even the people that support consent the most and advocate for consent the most the way that we go about it is actually fundamentally flawed because if it was true consent it means that it would have been easy just as easy to say the no as it is the yes and yeah that's what that thing made me realize was that there's actually more to the surface here the solution that is used right now is just so one-dimensional it actually doesn't it's not the true sense of consent and it doesn't actually set us up to be really empowered when we declare what it's we a, want. It's a band-aid solution to say as long as you can speak up and say yes or at least as, as, if there is a clear-cut question asked, can I do this? Is it okay if I? And you feel a social pressure or an obligation to do so you're gonna say yes anyway yeah and some people will say no but it doesn't really depict or really mean that you wanted to consent i just realized something mm -hmm. someone saying no is actually a greater indicator of their agreeableness um like where they are on the agree agreeableness spectrum because it's like like in big five, the personality test, there's like an agreeableness score. And it's like how much basically you're willing to rock the boat or to stand up against something. So when you ask a question like that, what you're really measuring is how easily is someone agreeable. willing? Yeah. How agreeable are they and how or, or how easy is it for them to turn around and, and say no and stand up for their complete autonomy? It's always made me feel un uneasy. Yes. You know, it also made me realize another thing where there's this idea, have you heard of um, route to safety? Mm -mm. Okay, so basically it's based on this psychological like body of work, which talks about like the nervous system and 
um, fight or flight and different ways that our body seeks safety. So the body will try to seek a certain road to safety that is the fastest and also the clearest. That's why often we might say yes to something when really we mean no, because our nervous system is hijacking our brain, where we can clearly see that the fastest route to safety is for it to be over. And for it to be over, we just say, yes, it's done. Instead of then having to fight for it, say no, and now we got to brace ourselves for whatever the consequences are. And I just never connected the dots in that way. But what you said like made me realize that. And like that makes so much sense. So really it further adds to the idea that not only does conversation around consent um, in the moment take away from the intimacy. So when you do have consent, it takes away from the, the intimacy and the moment. Well, that basic, this idea of consent being purely verbal, when mm-hmm. there are so many other things influencing a verbal go ahead. Exactly. Exactly. It, yeah. That's not that's not necessarily consent. Like there have been so many situations where people have just said yes when they mean no. And you know, in in many situations you then go, okay, well that person therefore didn't do something wrong and they should take responsibility for that and to a certain degree okay. But what are we actually trying to achieve here? Because the directive is people feeling comfortable enough to share and people being respectful enough to not overstep their bounds. But that's not enough. Like, it's not enough to just do that verbally. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why, you know, people think that when something is nuanced, it means that there's safety in clear-cut lines. But really, I would argue that it's the clear-cut lines that oversimplify and actually make it more dangerous. So when you're only relying on verbal consent and not actually educating people when it comes to um, body language, it comes to just like being able to see like cues, like bodily cues, you know, Um, things like that. When you don't teach people those things, like the emotionally intelligent and the self-aware non-verbal cues, and you only rely on just like the hard line of the verbal cue, you're really not helping anyone. And in fact, it's perpetuating the problem because now it's creating a situation where the person said yes to something they didn't want to do. And now if they then later express that really it wasn't no, now it's a sign that they change their mind or something like that then you have this toxic narrative someone who's more forward feels like they're doing the other person a favor that someone is more timid so therefore they're holding back and by you making the first move you're doing them a favor what you're doing is you're saying hey this is my timeline this is this is how i want to do things i'm pulling you to my timeline instead of actually seeing what timeline are they on Maybe they're not acting timid. Maybe they're, they're not interested, you know? And that's why I feel like it's so important to, to not push your own timeline onto things, but instead respect the other person's timeline and only meet each other with equal enthusiasm. Like enthusiasm is how you tell. If someone is not being enthusiastic, it isn't because they're shy. Because someone who is shy, they will show enthusiasm eventually. It just means it takes them longer. And it comes once again back to the whole, everyone has their own timeline of things. And I I think that the idea around this needs to be broken down and needs to be understood that the way that anything should be done, the way that any decision I feel like should be made is it should be a, a very enthusiastic yes from both sides. Because if there's any hesitation, if there's any hesitation, that shows that shows that it isn't a hell yes. And I want to say if it's not a hell yes, maybe isn't good enough. Mm. If it isn't a hell yes, it's a no. Because if there's any doubt, you need to honor that. Yeah, and as I as I mentioned, I've been in a situation where 
I'm in the pursuit and I can see that it's hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold. And I'm trying to figure out if there's a green light. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it becomes orange and then it goes red. And then I'm testing the waters. It doesn't go back up. Then all of a sudden when I'm red, it's green, you know, and I'm like, and to me, when it's ambiguous like that, that person is confused themselves. They've got shit going on or they're not interested. I guess it just depends. But to me, that in and of itself makes me disinterested. Whereas I've had, let's just say, some pursuers in the past who are blinded by what they want that they don't see that I don't want and they think that they can woo you into it like the whole idea of like well if the gesture's big enough it will change your mind that's problematic itself like wooing is beautiful like definitely woo your your loved ones but make sure that the feelings are there to begin with like woo shouldn't be step one because that's a manipulation tactic, actually. Mm-hmm. It also made me think of what you said before, that comment that the person I was giving you mixed signals mm-hmm. that they said to you. Oh, yeah. They said to me that because afterwards I, I, I was confused and I was like, wow, I've never had such strong feelings. And then it not being fully just purely reciprocated after that came a lot of flirtation, a lot of intensity. And so I led with vulnerability and also, you know, cheekiness to go, well, you know, these were my intentions at this point in time. And their response is, well, I wouldn't have said no. Which is so, that makes me, when you told me that beforehand, I was like, that makes me so uncomfortable. I wouldn't have said no, that's a double negative. That ain't a yes. I can totally see why we got here or how we got here. Like if you look at all the TV shows and the movies and like all the romantic rhetoric we've had growing up, it's the whole idea that it's all based on like the guy wooing the girl that doesn't, that that misjudged him. There's this whole idea where it's, it basically is like priming women to the idea that you should be open to having your mind changed, that you actually don't really know what you want that you should give anything a go. You should give everyone a go. Even if you don't like them, maybe you'll change your mind on the third date or the fourth time or whatever. And if you stick to your guns in the beginning, you're too close-minded. You're a bitch. Yeah, prude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So with that as our backdrop, of course, of course we would have like this wishy-washy understanding of what a yes feels like. And all this weight kind of hanging behind you because of how you don't want to be interpreted a certain way mm-hmm. and I felt that way like the thing that started this whole conversation like the date that I went on the other person is so big on consent like they would have been shocked that I felt the way that I felt they never would have attended that in a million years they believe what I believe yet still they perpetuated a situation that was not set up for that. That was set up for the opposite. You know what? This is really interesting to me because I just thought that there may be types of people who require consent to be verbal for it to be consensual, for them to feel comfortable because I've had, you know, where I'm trying to be, when I'm feeling into intuition, it feels unsafe for them. So they're doing a dance. But with this same person I'm talking about, who was like, I wouldn't say no. As soon as they put forward their intention very directly, they're down. Whereas for me, it kills it. It's dead. Oh, that's interesting. So if there's mention of it beforehand. No, kind of, well, just before. So it's like you're in the moment, you're in the moment for it to happen. And then the conversation has to happen before it happens. That's why I feel like the conversation should actually happen way before that. And in the moment, you have certain touch points. Like you're just like reconfirming and that could be non-verbal. But the verbal, I think the verbal conversation can still happen like before, further. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's like, should we? Should we? We should. Yeah, we should. Awesome. Let's do it. It's like, what? To me, that is so foreign because I'm such a feeling person. Mm. So to me, it's it's too much. I don't know. Yeah, I see it as like a declaration of intent. Like that's what those kind of things feel like. It's like, I'm about to do this. And that kind of thing feels very... That kind of thing feels very artificial. Mm -hmm. When it's like going about anything, being like, I'm going to put my hand on your thigh. I'm going to hold your hand now. Is that okay? (laughs) Which also makes it harder for the person that's also asking for consent to have to now ask all the time. Like, either way, I'm like, the design of this doesn't work. The design... Either way, on the giver's end and the receiver's end, both just don't work. It should be more attentive. Like, you touch their hand and see what they do back. If they're just letting you do it and they're not moving, that's a freeze response. Even something as subtle as that. But if then Mm -hmm. they put their other hand, like, somewhere else, like, on top of your hand, that's showing reciprocation. And I think that's what we should be looking for. Yeah, we should be relearning body language cues. And then... And of course they're different for everyone, but you're meant to learn someone's. Like if you really, you know, learn and that's why we should take things cues. slow. Yeah. Unless obviously in certain circumstances, you're both meeting each other at a, a yeah. fast pace. If but you both get... Because it's reciprocal. Yeah, yeah exactly. 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 It's not that there's this set pace and this is the right pace, but rather you both should match each other's pace. Yeah, it's like what you want is not more important than what the other person wants. Mm-hmm. And by leading doesn't mean you're doing them a favour. You're not doing something that they can't do themselves. They just don't want it. Like that should be the assumption. Not that the other person is disempowered and that you need to lead them. Yes. Or that they expect you to lead, which obviously happens very typically in a male-female dynamic. Yeah. But it can happen in any dynamic. If one person just tends to be a louder personality than the other. Mm-hmm. More assertive. Yeah. More assertive, yeah. Yep. They're used to playing that role. Actually, I can give you a really good example mm-hmm. from a different day. Go for it. So on the first day, I was trying to work out, like I was reading the signs to see what was okay and what wasn't okay, like touch-wise. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until we were planning our second date. This is like over text. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just outright, she came out and she's just like, I was hoping we could make out. You know? Which is cheeky and mm-hmm. also just setting out what you want. Yeah. And that was my chance to very easy. It's not in the moment. There's nothing riding on this. I could have been like, yeah, come to mine. Or I could have been like, oh, nah, let's like go to, let's go to, uh, I don't know, a cafe. Let's meet up there. My answer of where I choose for us to meet up next is the thing that tells her what I want. But what it meant was that when we went on our second date, like reading the cues, almost like the little follow up, reading the cues, seeing how we are with each other and how the small, like what are the small responses to the small interactions, then she just full on turned around and kissed me, which was completely reciprocal because I was showing all those signs throughout and we like very clearly verbally said it. Yeah. Before, which I really, I actually really liked. And for me, it kind of added to it that we spoke about our intentions. Yeah. But it was more in like a playful way beforehand. Exactly. Which in the situation I was telling you is what I was trying to do. Mm -hmm. And then it was met with like a wet fish response. Right. And so when you make it cheeky, when you make it flirty, when you kind of drop it, it gives that. You know, it's a little bit of vulnerability because you don't know yet whether it's reciprocal because neither of you have made moves. But that gives you a much greater freedom to either withdraw or double down. And obviously, it was very clear from that moment that you both were keen. Keen, yeah. 
So, I mean, ironically, that is a verbal go ahead, <laughs> but it's not like I consent. You know, it's not that direct like, dialogue. Yeah, it wasn't in it's the moment. It's not putting you on the spot. Yeah, one, not putting me on the spot, and two, not saying like, can I kiss you? Which they're hearing for the first time that that was what happened, but I'm pretty sure we insinuated that the consent was about a kiss. Oh, in the beginning, mm -hmm. or the first example. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we have. Yeah, well, the first example, yeah. Those, yeah, for you guys, our listeners. <laughs> the first example that I gave was about asking for a kiss. Mm hmm in the middle of a bar. Yeah. I think the idea of consent needs to expand. You need to understand like someone's bodily response. I think this further goes into like, like, should we go there? But this idea around, especially, may I say also in heterosexual kind of dynamics where for some people, the sex is very much about porn. It's about using lube. It's about using all these devices to basically penetrate mm. rather than actually like learning someone's body, warming them up. What doing turns all this them on? It's just, mm. it just bottle, like boggles my mind that someone's been so preconditioned to go like, well, this is what you do. This is what is fun. And this is what they want. It's, it's just like, it's literally an act. Mm-hmm. And it's like, your body is not giving consent. Your body, <laughs> yeah. Your body yeah. tells, yeah. And you're trying to override that. It's just, it's fascinating I to was, me. It's so interesting. I actually was in a situation where we were like making out and all of that. And it's really hot. And then he's like, let's go to my room. And I'm just thinking to myself, oh, I don't know how I feel yet. I don't know. We just started making out. I'm not sure. I don't know if I want... You know, thinking to myself, oh, okay, we could make out on the bed kind of thing. Anyway, clothes come off, all that kind of stuff. My body is saying no. It's just saying no. I am like the Sahara Desert. It's just, <laughs> it's a no. Instantly, the guy was like, oh, do you need some lube? And I was like, no, my body doesn't need that. He's like, do you usually struggle? Are you usually like really dry? Wow. And I was like, no, my body is telling. I said this. I was like, my body is saying what it wants. And right now it doesn't want it. I said that. Like I had to physically drop. say it. Yeah. And I'm he's like, oh, he's like, oh, I'm really sad. Your body doesn't want it. Ugh. He's like, oh, damn body has a mind of its own. <sighs> It actually really surprised me. It really, really surprised me. Um, but yeah, I said no, and I had to say no so many times that night. So many times I had to say no over and over again in different ways. And like when I would say no, he would be respectful. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't push it, but he would try again later. Like no meant not yet, not right now. It didn't mean no until I say yes. I just can't relate to that feeling. I've always known men to be that way, but when, but then when I'm the pursuer, yeah, when I'm the pursuer in a, a male or female dynamic, if it's the slightest no, and I mean not even a verbal no, I'm just. Like, it just doesn't I, it just do it. Doesn't like you're not it. even turned on I'm just anymore. Not interested. Yeah. 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 It kind it of just reminds me. Boggles me. It reminds me of um that Netflix and chill situation. Where I got invited, <laughs> <laughs> I got invited to um, this gorgeous woman's place. She's like, come over for dinner and a movie. And I was like, oh, dinner and a movie at yours. Okay, okay. I hear you. I hear you. I'm <laughs> here for it. And we're just like chatting on the couch and all that. Every time I make any tiny move, trying to touch her, hold her hand, anything, I got no reciprocation. So I stopped. Like, I, I didn't. Mm -hmm. And then I, I very much felt like the pursuer in that situation. So I was like, okay, well, she's not there. I just won't. But then she would give me, like, other cues of, oh, stay for another movie. Oh, do you want to sleep over tonight? Mm -hmm. But it wasn't being matched. These, like, verbal suggestions weren't being matched with the physical cues 
which yeah. was showing any kind of physical contact at all, like anything. And it got to the point where I'm like, her words are saying one thing, like she's saying, oh, just stay over. And I'm thinking to myself, something like I'm not feeling it. Like this doesn't feel good to me. Like I don't feel, it doesn't feel like a full body yes from her. And also I was thinking to myself, like, I don't know if she's just being polite. You know, I don't know if she's not, she doesn't feel comfortable enough to really say how she feels. But I made the judgment call and I like left. And then I also, after that, I just was like, well, I'm not gonna force anything. I'm not gonna pursue something where the other person doesn't feel the emotional safety to fully communicate how they'll feel towards me. That's That in itself is an indicator of flow. It's an indicator of how compatible we are is the emotional safety yeah exactly it is an indicator and it's it's you know her being in a lack of integrity in that moment and in my experience it's this compromise or this battle between this is a need I want to meet right now versus a deeper thing I need to face so they're battling with each other mm-hmm. and they have nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it kind of goes to the point that like you also mentioned before we decided to record was about what you were saying about rejection, what we need to learn about rejection. Yeah, it's what the hell was I saying? Not being that rejection needs to be seen as something that's not personal the idea that if we're rejected by one person, it means we're rejected by all. Yeah. That's what you said. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just like... paraphrasing you. <laughs> yeah, it's we've been taught to internalise this egoistic idea that, yeah, if we're not for everyone, that we're for no one. And it's, Yeah. Yeah. Rejection sensitivity. Yeah, and it's just, it's obviously ludicrous because why would you be for everyone? How cruel that everyone would just be interested in you, then leave the rest of us with the scraps. <laughs> like, it's just not, it's just, it's a fantasy and it's an egoistic idea around being the best, around being desirable and it being a zero sum game that if you're not attracting every individual, that you're not of value, that you're not enough. And it's absurd. It's absurd when you look at it in those terms. It's so true. And that, the idea of rejection, also doesn't help when it comes to the person that actually needs to deliver the rejection. So not only just receiving the rejection, but delivering it. Because that's why we hesitate to deliver the rejection because we don't want someone to feel those feelings. We don't want them to be like, oh, I don't want them to take it personally. I don't want them to 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 suddenly feel this about themselves because I don't see them in that way. It's just I don't feel it. Or, you know, whatever reason it is, compatibility has nothing to do with the person and their worth. Because of that rejection sensitivity you're talking about, it makes it harder to reject because we feel like as the messenger we're actually delivering really terrible news so therefore we feel like it's kind of on us to soften the rejection which ends up undermining our ability to speak honestly and to really do the other person justice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you know you talked about a rejection message and we've done we've crafted a lot of rejection messages and it's, it's this is the thing this is the this is the realization when you date a lot of cool people and you go, you're awesome. This was fun. And you're not for me. You just happen not to be for me. It doesn't undermine how fucking cool I think you are. Exactly. And to be able to communicate that the responses are really great. They're always so beautiful. Thankful, mm-hmm. you know, appreciative. Most breakups end in, or, you know, rejections end in, you know, either ghosting or... I feel like that's why ghosting happens, because yeah, people don't know have, how to. They don't know how to, And yeah. they don't want to, and that's the easier way. When really, like, these rejection messages that we've... I mean, the formula that kind of we've been using that we came up with mm-hmm. because it came out of necessity because we didn't want to ghost. 
and we wanted to compassionately end things without it being a chip on anyone's shoulder mm -hmm. really doing them honor well from our experiences a way that the way that they've been received like in the wild we've basically used them what since 2019 yep we've been using them and it's just been nothing but beautiful responses like it's just another human acknowledging another human yeah, and then you get all these lovely compliments out of it and you're like, wow, I didn't even know they thought that about yeah. me. And you're like, I just rejected this person. Yet they feel they feel, <laughs> they feel vulnerable and safe to actually really tell you how they feel. Mm -hmm. I've had but, that, yeah. I mean, maybe even we reframe it because it's like you're not even, you're not rejecting them, you're freeing them. You're saying like, someone else will appreciate you more, like you're fucking awesome, but I can't appreciate all of you. Yeah. Not in that way. And I think we project in the future and we know what we want and we can sense sort of th certain things early. And, and I think also like if, you know, feelings aren't matched, if someone's going really deep and you're, you're nowhere near there and you can see that you're, no, you're not getting there anytime soon and what they want doesn't align with you, the empathetic thing is to say I I'm not there. Like you are you are great in X Y and Z way, but I'm not there. And being really clear about it, people appreciate it. Yeah, because all you're saying is, hey, I can't match you where you're at, and that has nothing to do with me or you. It's just you know what it is. It's like I was explaining this earlier today, actually. My theory on relationship compatibility. I can't okay. I've told you this before or not. I don't think so. Okay, so think about it like this. Like, every person's like a water pipe. Yeah? So you have okay. different pipes. And you're like, where the fuck is this like, going? We're a bunch of tubes. We're tubular. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so you know how with different pipes, depending on the size, it changes the water pressure? Like, if you have a really small, narrow pipe and then a really wide one. And also the material, like if the pipe's made out of metal versus if it's made out of something like silicone, like more floppy, it changes the water pressure. Mm -hmm. Yeah? So imagine that for each person. Each person has their own water pressure. They have their own flow, their own pace of how they do everything in life. Yeah? Relationships as well, but just like it extends to everything. You know, like you've you've seen it before where someone really likes taking things slow and steady and they're very measured and they just take their time and if if you pair them with someone who's like gotta get things going like running out of time hustle like i feel like i'm dying if i'm not on an adventure doing something exciting yeah you can try and like bridge that for a little bit you can try and like come up with ways to deal with it but over time it's not very sustainable because what you're doing is you're forcing the person with the, the low water pressure to move faster. And then you're forcing the person with the fast water pressure to slow down. And that causes problems in the future because you're undermining the structural integrity of each pipe. To take this further, compatibility isn't just about matching flow. Compatibility is actually about how well do you each unblock any kind of blockages that happen in the pipe. Because our aim in life as humans is to keep on going, live another day, you know, exist another day. That's keeping on going. Like relationships help you to keep on, go on going in life, yeah? If you're flowing a certain way, but there's a blockage, like for whatever reason it might be, it's something terrible happens, there's a crisis, or maybe it's like a health struggle, or maybe it's something small, like this niggling thing, or it's mental illness, whatever it is, it could be anything. That's a blockage that's going to affect how the person usually flows in life. My theory is that the way that we can really measure compatibility between two people is in their ability to unblock each other to know how do I soothe the other person what do they need how can I get them back to their usual flow according to like everyone has their unique way of how of, of, of how they can return to their normal baseline you know for me 
for me, like the way that I return to my baseline is very different to how like you might return to your baseline. Like everyone has their different methods. And I think that the strength of a relationship is so dependent on not only how your flows match, but how well you can help the other person return to their flow and how good you are at troubleshooting and intuiting what they need and reading kind of like coming back to body language, non-verbal cues, all those things that you know about them and how to help return them to where they're at. So tying this all back together, (laughs) it connects. So tying this all back together, when you reject someone, when they're not for you, when you let someone free, yes, <laughs> all you're saying is that our, like the flow just isn't compatible. You're doing them a favor. You're helping them. Or we flow in this way, but we don't flow in that way, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I can appreciate your flow, but I can't keep up with it. That's what you're saying. That's exactly what you're saying. You're like, hey, I think there's something wrong with you. You have to move faster in life or slower, whatever it is. You're saying like, yeah, hey, I see you. I don't want you to change at all. You shouldn't have to change. You are perfect just the way you are right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm not that person because if I feel like you're too much or conversely not enough for me with certain things in life that I value then that's not a reflection on you as a person. Instead, it's a reflection of where your baseline is and how much it matches mine. Mm-hmm. Mine is not the, the, the measure, like the, um, the universal measure. Yeah. And it's funny because actually I was talking to my dad a few weeks back and he was telling me about how he was going on this date and how he doesn't feel like she's really for her. I mean, sorry, that she's really for him. I'm like, wow. (laughs) This is one way to tell you that. Like, he sounds insecure. (laughs) So um, she's not really for him, but he doesn't want to hurt her feelings, so he doesn't know how to reject her. So he finds it easier to let her fade out, to let her do that thing. And I've heard that so many times from other males that are empathetic, actually, that they don't even know how to handle this so therefore they just end up sticking around or self-sabotaging up to Mm -hmm. a point until the the woman in the relationship just can't take it anymore and she breaks it off like they wait for the wheels to fall off the car basically which is so much crueler it really is but for some reason they believe it's the more compassionate way and it comes back to our understanding of rejection and to our understanding of consent and personal integrity and cues and all these things. It's interesting because I had my 11-year-old sister come to me a couple of times now because, you know, some boys have, have, have come to her and asked her out or told her that they like her and she, her default was to ignore them. Or to just go along with it. Go on a date. Just cause. And so we've had these conversations about why that is way more mean. Because you, like like you were saying before, it's like you're saying yes out of obligation. You're saying yes out of this idea of compassion because it's easier. Because it doesn't create that block. Mm -hmm. So soon you're just like trying to force the flow. Force the flow. Yeah, you're like, I can endure it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I can, yeah, yeah, and you can, because you know, I said to her, I was like, I'll help you. You're not going on this date because you don't want to go, and she was almost trying to force herself to like the person. Mm. I thought, nah. <laughs> There's a way that you can appreciate them and honor them for speaking up and having that courage, and also easing into the next step. And kids, especially, they get over things really quick. Mm. Um, so she's had to do that twice recently. Another thing that's that uh, you know I'm interested in your opinion on, because recently I had a friend cross my boundary. 
Um, so we were having a conversation about dating and they've been dating a lot lately and I was really enjoying the conversation, laughing and whatever. And then they kind of switched it into like, you know, insinuating stuff about me and oh. like kind of connecting, you know, us sexually. And I was like, um, oh, and as I, in like they're interested in you. It wasn't like they're, they're yeah like it's like that kind of insinuation like oh you're familiar with my charm kind of situation and I'm thinking oh. um no oh. so I then I then make it clear without fully rejecting that person to go no like enough but not in a way that's really harsh and then they double down on their efforts to try and lean the conversation now that in that direction when I've clearly put a halt to it and, and in another direction. So I withdrew myself from the conversation and stopped speaking with them. Did you explain why? Like, did you, or did you just like fade? Like, how did you do that? I honestly was really annoyed because I've put those boundaries in place with that person before. And this hasn't been a problem for years. So I'm thinking, well, I've made it really fucking clear. Pardon me. I made it really clear. I love how like only now you're worried about it when our you're podcast like... is called We're Not So <laughs> Fucked After All. And you're like, are you okay? I'm confused. Have you been here for this entire season? <laughs> That's our intro. Do you censor um, me in your head? Like, every time I say it? All right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was really pissed off um, that, that, like, we were literally talking about them dating. I'm constantly friend zoning. Like, in my head, we're both constantly friend zoning. It's a safe space. We're friends, right? And then for them to just somehow think that that can go down that path again when I've clearly just gone, nah. Mm. And then they tried to double down it again. I was like, no, I'm really, really pissed off and you're not getting any more of my effort and energy until you apologize, basically. But in that situation, do you think I should be more clear? Because to me, it's just, if you don't, understand verbal cues maybe you'll understand a physical withdrawal from the conversation because to them it's like harmless it's funny but it's like i know what you're doing mm. yeah that's so uncomfortable i don't want to feed it because the first time it's like it's a it's a light hint where other times i've been extremely direct about it so it's like a recurring but i mean it's been years since it's been a problem and this person is a male <laughs> and I've told them that I'm not really interested in men right now. <laughs> Tatana's like, I think I know I think I worked out. Is it? Oh, no. It's oh. <laughs> I'm like, we're having a secret conversation. <laughs> like, I just mouthed the name because I'm like, is it this person? <laughs> um, okay, I don't know. No. Okay, I mean. But uh, it's yeah. not the point. Yeah, it's not the point. It's not the point. Um. I would be clear. I'll just come straight out with it. I'll just be like, when you make comments like this, it makes me feel uncomfortable because I've made it clear how I feel. Oh my God. I just realized something. Like you saying all that. Because as women, I think that when someone says no, we're like, okay, that's a no. Yeah. Like we take that. Yeah. Definitely. And we respect that. Yeah. I actually like, this is a bit of a tangent, but I just realized the connection. Do you think that that is linked to why women in like with career opportunities, they will try something and when they get a no, they take it as a hard no. Yes. Whereas men are rewarded and it's like, no is not yet, later, not yet, later, not yet, Makes later. them seem more tenacious. Yeah. When really women, it's like, well, you went for it, but you didn't advocate for yourself hard enough. You didn't try hard enough. When really what women were doing is they're accepting the no because our concept of um, consent 
is different and accepting consent. So that's an interesting cultural nuance. That's really interesting. How fascinating I think is you've, that? I think you're onto something there. Because, and, and why it's such a, it's, yeah, it's taken seriously. It's respected. Mm-hmm. We're not rewarded for that. We are... We feel icky if we keep on going, like in a, in, in a professional setting. We feel icky if we keep on saying the same thing and pushing the same point. Totally. And interestingly, if we do that, we're seen as bitchy or bossy anyway. So it's not seen, we're not rewarded for it. We're demonized for it. We're ridiculed for it. I'm like, this has just turned into a feminist podcast about hating men. No. Men are amazing. (laughs) They have beautiful, beautiful, beautiful hearts. They're a bit misguided sometimes, but it's not their fault. It's socialization, conditioning. It's this whole not yet thing. They're set up in ways where the way that they fundamentally understand things, the way that they fundamentally define things is different. You know, and and to some extent, maybe we can learn from each other because this idea of being rejected in one way and then not giving up on your dream and trying a different way with somebody else, that that's actually great. That's a great concept. That's a, that's a concept of resilience. But when it comes to personal or individual instances, it's a, different you, it's a completely different it's a situation. Different story. It's a different story. So it's so interesting that it carries through, but it makes sense because women like social are socialized to prioritize relationships and harmony and all that before other things like career and um, goals and bringing that project. A mozzie bite on you. That was a mozzie on you. It's really trying to eat you. Really? Yeah. I saw it buzzing around before. Usually they don't like my blood. I had an excuse to slap you and I didn't take it. So gentle as well. I know, I'm like, I'm not even going to get it, but I don't really want to slap you, so you're welcome. It's not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. All right. This took a turn. (laughs) Like, that was consent. You heard it. I have permission. Verbal consent. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> um, but yeah, how interesting is that? It's really interesting. And so I think in knowing that, you know, we can empathize with why men's disposition is that way. And maybe that's my lesson to empathize with why his disposition is that way. Mm. However, as a feeling person, I do need to take space from that situation to see it with perspective and go, now I can respond appropriately. Um, Caring for yourself first before you respond to others. Like what we mentioned in, I can't remember what number podcast it was, but when we were talking about like calling out micro aggressions and mm-hmm. stuff like that it's like it kind of goes back to that where it's like you take care of yourself first and then yeah and then so yeah it's good that's good like you're like no i'm not talking to you for a little bit yeah and then i'm gonna I, explain I, it to you later yeah i would have i if i have responded in that moment i would have been oh Honestly, I don't know what I would have said. I wouldn't have said anything nice. It would probably have been passive aggressive because I'm trying to withhold my anger. So why would I write something? You know, it just doesn't make sense. Also wouldn't have been conducive to anything because from his understanding, I mean, as far as we know, I'm making a whole bunch of assumptions here, but from his understanding, if it's through the not yet lens, you'd be like, what's the big deal? Like, it's just the not yet again. Yeah, it's like I didn't do anything wrong. I just was checking in to see if anything changed. But like, it's exhausting and it just... Yeah, just not understanding mm, the mental load. Yeah. And also what it means and how it's... How it's, it makes me feel like I have to have my guard up. Yeah. Because the intentions aren't pure. I, like... It's the idea of emotional safety. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever had this, but one of the things um, that I valued when I had a severe skin condition and I was really ill 
was that I wasn't getting bombarded by men and bombarded in the sense of like constantly like this mental load trying to figure out whose intentions were what and you know what agenda they held because there's this constant agenda and this fear around are my friends are my male friends really just around because they're attracted to me are they waiting are they waiting for the not yet like the not yet like they're waiting around because it's a not yet and I'm thinking, and I was so afraid back then to friend zone guys straight out when I was single because I think I thought they would fuck up because in the past that had totally happened. Anytime I'd say, say it really clear cut, they'd be like, oh no, like I'm happy to be friends. And then they disappear off the face of the earth. And you think that's the only way that I hold my value is in potential, mm. like in the potential that they're going to be able to act on what their impulse. And it's like, wow, it, you know, it's demoralizing. And so I think that entire thing, it takes me back there. Like, I'm not that person now. Like, I had that time to really chill out and not have to deal with it and understand it. But now I think, you know, them acting on that, just, it does. It takes me back to that, that feeling of like, oh, like, I can't trust you. Your intentions aren't pure. It's not about who I am. It's about what you can get. It's almost like you're hanging out with the chef because you're hoping that they might like cook you a meal. Yeah, cook you up something that's not on the menu. And it's like, is it on the menu yet? And it's like, no. Is it on the menu now? No. Can we put it on the menu? What if we put it in the brunch menu, but it's not available during lunch or dinner? (laughs) Can we just do it one time? What if it's like every Saturday? What if we season it differently? Like, I'll bring the seasoning. It's just like, you know, trying to sweeten the deal. Just, I don't know. Like, sometimes there's a convincing piece that tries to happen. Either way, I think the assumption should be that she can make up her mind herself. And if she changes her mind, why can't she make the move? Why can't she? Like, how easy... Like, if guys knew... like. If you are acting in a heterosexual way, it is so easy to figure out whether a guy likes you or not, or is interested in that way. Like it is so much more obvious than with with women. So much more obvious. So if we wanted to, we could make it happen. We don't need you testing the waters every five minutes. Because again, it's when you test the waters every five minutes, you're basically pressuring the the woman to get onto to your timeline be like you ready to jump in the holiday now yeah it's exhausting trying to like because you're putting up armor every time it's tiring that's a mental load it's this invisible mental load that women have to carry like you have that with mothering like with yeah being a parent and the mental load that a woman needs to carry but that also happens when you're just operating in the world as a woman, navigating continual consent. Yeah, I'm like, cool. I can think of so many more examples. There's too many. Actually, very interesting. Cause like, you know, that there's like a, a food place around the corner from me and the guy there kept on pushing, pushing, pushing. I said, no, I made it clear so many times. It was a very hard no, that I was not interested. And it got to a point where, like, I didn't want to go in there for food. Like, every time I'd just walk past with my dog, like, he would call out and stuff. And, like, the housemate, he wanted to get some food from that place. And I was like, I'm not going there. Like, the guy's going to harass me. And we kind of came up with this plan. Like, it was kind of like a a prank. Because at this point, I'm like, you know what? Like, fuck it. So it was like this whole prank where we'll go in, pretend we don't know each other. Like he'll go in first, chat to the guy at the, who owns the food place. Mm -hmm. And then when he sees me kind of like chat with me and then we end up like, the plan is that I'll buy his food and we walk out together. So like maybe the guy would get the message that way. What ended up happening was it was ended up being so funny because my housemate was just way too smooth. Um, 
and the other guy like his jaw dropped and he just was trying so hard he was actually making up lies and at one point he 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 like called my housemate over and he's like what are you trying to do i'm trying to fuck her get out of the like, way what are you doing yeah and yeah at the end of the day like i did pay for his food and i did leave since then the guy has not spoken to me looked me in the eye nothing left me completely alone because it took a man it takes a man to turn a not yet into a no wow and they say there's no problem and we can't we can't change the conversation around consent unless we change the conversation around what is consent um, yeah, what is consent, but also how we embody consent, how we internalize it. How do we actually integrate it into our actions? And that's the missing piece. There's like this mm-hmm. disconnect. So maybe, maybe by understanding this nuance and seeing it this way, it actually equips us better to actually better support people and the education around this. Like maybe we can actually fix this in a much better more understandable more compassionate way like maybe maybe this ain't so fucked after all i agree i agree it's it's about intention you know your intention to empathize your intention to understand the person in front of you your intention to put their needs as equal to yours their word as equal to yours Yes, I just want to like cook. <laughs> and then when or if it comes to pass that there isn't compatibility, that you have that ability to do that with compassion and clarity. So interesting because when we meet someone and we'll just say, I feel really weird about um, just keep saying back to men, but they have been conditioned for the not yet response. So when it comes to rejecting men in a way that is so compassionate, they respect you back. It actually increases that level of respect. And I think as a result, they take your word as reality. That's so true. Because if I think about all the times where we've I'm like, sent the, our messages, it's always been a no. S- statistically. We should crunch the numbers. I'm like, I need to go through all my past phones. Um... <laughs> Yeah, oh my God, me too. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, we'll do it for you guys. Um, But statistically, it's it's worth it. it. It helps recalibrate. It helps teach people, whether it's male or female... That it's a it's not a personal thing to reject. It empowers them further. It makes people respect each other's words because it's like you're being vulnerable and honest and kind, but also really clear. But yeah, just to kind of to to wrap all that up, it all feeds into each other. You know, you don't need to under you don't need to be an expert in body language, but it wouldn't kill you to look for that that information and those examples around body however you can also just feel and intuit and that in have that intention you know learn in the moment have that intention to understand that person to learn that person's cues yes you know yes that's what i was gonna say instead of labeling what you're seeing from them instead of giving the usual label that you would give the usual like the the way that you'll explain something away to justify you kind of like coming in and acting instead what if the way that they're responding to you was held on equal footing as yours what if them not making a move held just as much weight as you making a move mm-hmm. instead of it being a not yet yeah meeting you halfway treating them like an empowered human being respecting them
or if you're listening on YouTube, just scroll down and share your insights with us. Be sure to include the timestamps so we know the part that spoke to you. This podcast is here to spark broader conversation and the fun part for us is exploring it with you. Because when we pull our minds together, we're not so fucked after all.